Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Um, we've been busy with a series called You Are Here. And if you've been busy, uh, we've been part of the series that we've done. It's been a, it's been a good series. It's been a, um, I always say, it's a, it's a little bit... Um, vegetables and it's stuff that's not encouraging it's amazing but it's something we need to hear to solidify stuff in our hearts it is some foundational stuff that we need to speak about and we need to speak about how do we grow as christians um in 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 church how do we grow as as, as a christian and within our relationship with god now we've been talking about every person that's growing in a relationship with the lord and the process can be defined in four stages of growth. Now, it's been looking like this. If you haven't been there, there's four stages of growth. Now, now we have people that's coming to church that is exploring God. They're not saved yet, but they're exploring God, and they're seeing, wow, this is amazing, coming to church. They're not saved yet. But once they step into salvation at the cross, there's a beginning in God. Then they grow to a place where they're close to God, and then they grow to a place where they become God-centered in everything they do. Now, now we've been talking about how do we make the step from one stage to the next stage in our growth. And, and, and if you want to grow from one group or one, one season in your life to the next season, you have to believe some defining truths. In your life you remember that now firstly from group one to two you need to have grace in your life you need to understand what Jesus did on the cross that his blood flown for you and his body was broken so that you can be saved and that your sins will be forgiven then from group two to group three the word the word become defined in your life and you need to realize that the word is the defining authority in your life in everything you do and as you grow and as you mature in from group three to four, you need to understand the, the truth of giving. Now, I'm not talking about money giving. We're talking about giving ourselves to the kingdom. How do I give myself every day to God? How do I live for Him as I'm God-centered in my life? And that's what we're going to speak about today a bit. Now, we've been speaking, uh, speaking, speaking. <laughs> we've been speaking about four topics that uh, that that we grow towards. Now, group one or the first week was fellowship. Um, how you step into fellowship as you're exploring God and get, and get saved and step into a place of discipleship where you step into relationship. And then from in group three, where you get close to God, we need discipleship. We need people speaking into our lives. And then we need to step up to a place in our uh, Christian life where we need to realize what lordship is. And, uh, and we're going to look at that today a bit more. Now this week, I want to look at the stage four or the season four. Uh, <laughs> that we've been speaking about. And I want to speak about the topic of lordship. Now in Acts 2 verse 36, it says the following. It says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, be both Lord and Messiah. Now this is an awesome scripture. It's probably one of my, my favorite parts in the Bible. Um, there's, a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a lot in Acts that, that I'm a quite fan of. Um, but right after the disciples were filled with the Spirit, with tongues of fire coming in, they all ran into the street praying in tongues. And then Peter, I mean bold Peter, stepped up and he preached a power sermon. That 3,000 men, they, they're not saying home how many people because they only counted men in that days, but 3,000 men, which probably women and children was probably much more than that, 
got instantly saved and filled with the Spirit. I mean, how powerful is that? And you see, he said that no matter who you are, that's what Peter said, no matter who you are, if you want to be a true believer, this is one of the most important truths to know. That this Jesus, whom you crucified, is called two things, Lord and Savior. Very important. See, Lordship is one of the central messages of the Bible. It's something we can't step by or go about. We need to know about Lordship. We need to have Lordship in our lives in everything we do. We've always had that saying, uh, as I was in church all the years, that He cannot be Lord at all if He is not Lord of all in our lives. And that's very important. See, if you look at the New Testament, we see that that they referred to Jesus as Lord almost 750 times. But they only referred to Him as Savior about 24 times. That means that Lordship is quite something up there that we need to get into our heart. We need to solidify this thing in our lives. See, it's impossible not to see the biblical emphasis on the concept of Lordship. If you read through the Bible, if you go through the New Testament, there is an emphasis on this thing more than anything else that you need to get lordship down in your life. Now, lordship means, um, uh, the, the, the definition of lordship is master. To be a master of someone, or to be a one who rules, or the one who makes decisions. That's the Lord. Now, the way many Christians look at, looks at lordship is in form of a chronology. I don't know if you've been, uh, maybe you'll, you'll say yes, it is. It's, they look at it in form of a chronology or a path or a journey. But like I said last week, we cannot connect time to our growth in God. Because we grow on His time. Sometimes He takes longer with this person than with that person. I've got friends who's in ministry with me who are amazing pastors, but they struggled for two months or longer since they got a revelation of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. They just struggled. And they had to get to that place and say, God's timing, not my timing. And as they grown in that relationship, in that revelation, which is incredible today, they were just trusting God with his timing. Now, Lordship is not like a badge we receive, and this is very important. It's not like a badge we receive for being a Christian very long. Oh, I've been a Christian for 10 years now. I mean, Lordship is a given. Unfortunately not. You see, some people believe the longer you're saved, the more they are God-centered. Unfortunately not. See, it doesn't work that way in our relationship with God. We can actually grow backwards. We can go backwards by pacifying our relationship with God and not growing anymore. Now the truth of the matter is this. Is this. When we get saved, and, and, and this is surprise, surprise, when we get saved, you are already God-centered. You are already God-centered and you are already stepped into lordship. See, if we didn't, didn't ex accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives that, then when we got saved, we were never saved. And you were never God-centered. You never had lordship. But as you step into that place with your relationship with God, there's immediately lordship. There's immediately a place where you are God-centered. But then after salvation, you got saved, and now you're growing in your relationship with God, then guess what? The birds come. Remember the birds? 
the persecution and tribulation comes, the cares of this world comes. And a question for us today is how do we, how do our hearts stay God-centered? How do we stay centered on God through all these things in our lives? Remember we said in, in Sermon 1, 2, and 3 that it is a given. The enemy will come for you. The enemy will attack you. Why? Because he hates it when we grow in God. Now, really what I want to communicate in this message on the four states of growth, what this is all about is we not only get to be God-centered on the last stage of growth. We step into it with salvation. We need to know that. And the question for all of us and all of our, for all believers and all Christians today is, and this is what I want to speak about today, is how do we stay God-centered through our lives? I know I've said this, but I want to, I want to say it again. How do I stay God-centered through all the tribulations and all the trials and all the birds and all the thorns and all the stuff? And that's why I know that why Jesus said this is one of the most important parables. Now, there's a story of a man who, who um, was a very, um, uh, how can I say, a, a huge business guy, um, and he was on his way to the airport. He had to catch a flight to, to, to do a multi-million dollar deal somewhere, and he came to the airport, and the lines were long. And the people were, and the, 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 the flight attendants behind the desk were running, and they were on the, I mean, they, they were as quick as possible to help all these people get on the plane. And this guy was at the back, and he got frustrated. And he later on couldn't take it anymore, and he just rushed up to front to the, to the lady behind the desk. And he said, listen, can you just give me my boarding pass immediately? And the woman looked at him and said, well, sir, if you can see, we're doing as best as we can. We're helping everyone. Um, you have to just wait your time. And he, he just, I mean, he just laid out, and he just said, do you know who I am? And the woman looked at him, <laughs> and you've all seen the ad and all the jokes, but she picked up that... Uh, what do you call that thing, the, um, the microphone or the public address system, and she said, attention in the airport, attention to everyone. We have a medical emergency. I've got a man here at the ticket counter who do not know who he is. If anyone can come and identify him, please step forward. And, <laughs> and the guy stepped, just turned around and went back to his seat. And, and, uh, and it's actually funny, but I read that and I realized, but that's the big issue in our, in our, in our generation today, that it's all about me. It's all about how important I feel or how fast I can do this or how quick this can happen in my life. It's all about me. There's a, there's a funny song that uh, says, it's all about me. <laughs> and, uh, and it's an old song, so if you don't know the song, you never know. Let, let's move on. So the issue is this. It's not about me. It's all about God. It's all about Him. So with all the birds and all the thorns in our Christian lives, how can we stay God-centered every day of our life? Because the cares of this life, the, the lure of wealth, all those things will come at you. And how can we stay centered on a God who loves you? Now we've been looking at our core scripture for the series in Mark 4, and we've been looking at the parable of the seed. Now I want to read that for the last time again, um, just so that we can have some context. It says, a farmer went out to plant. Now, this is Jesus telling a parable to the people all around. He says, as he scattered across the field, some of the seed fell on, on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other, other seed fell on the shallow soil with the underlying rock. 
Um, the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since he didn't have deep roots, he died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain or fruit. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as, they, as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, it's a great scripture. It's amazing scripture. And we've been going through this um, for, for, for three weeks. Every time the seed fell, we've handled that as a week. Now, we're in week four, and we're going to speak about the fertile soil. Now, this parable has not just been written in the, the gospel of Mark, but it's in the gospel of Luke, Luke 8, and also in Matthew, in Matthew 13. Now, when we look at the fourth stage or this fourth season of growth in our life where we need to become God-centered, um, if it speaks in, in Luke 8, if you look at Luke 8, not in Mark 4, if you look at Luke 8, it speaks about good ground. I know Mark speaks about fertile soil, but, but I want to look at Luke today. It speaks about good ground. Now, through this series, we've seen how the, how the Bible symbolically speaks about stuff. Firstly, it spoke about birds who came and snatched up the seed. And, and, and Jesus explained it as Satan coming and stealing the word immediately out of your heart. Then week two, we spoke about thorns. And the thorns was the cares of this world, the lure of wealth, the worry of other things. And, and, and the thorns was all those things. But today I want to look at the, the word good ground. And I want to see what does the Bible says it means symbolically. So let's read Luke 8, verse 15. It says, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who are having heard the word with a noble and good heart. Keep it in, also keep it, and bear with fruit, with, bear fruit with patience. Now all of us want to bear fruit, right? Come on, I mean, you, you can't be a Christian and not have a passion or a, a, a need to bear fruit. You want to grow in what you do. That's like I said earlier. You don't go to gym just to listen to the music. You go to gym to actually gym, you know, to, to <laughs> which is sometimes terribly bad. But you go to gym to get stronger and to, to train for something. That's an, and it's the same with Christians. The same growing in God. We want to bear fruit in our lives. So here's the key. The key is good ground represents a good heart. Good ground represents a good heart symbolically. See, the key is, is to keep your ground good, you need to keep your heart good. Now I want to look at three things uh, today, that, that three things that, that we need to secure our heart at to ensure that we have a good ground and a good heart. Now, number one is to have a humble heart. A humble heart, very important. Now, through this series, we've looked at Jesus telling the parable. Remember, he's telling the parable to the people, and then the disciples came afterwards, and they asked him, so tell us, what does the parable mean? And then he, a couple of verses on, he explains the parable to them. But we have never looked in between. From verse 9, it's from verse 1 to 9, Jesus tells the parable. From verse 13 to 16 in, in, in Matthew, uh, Mark, he, he explains the parable to the disciples, but we've never re uh, read in between the lines. Now, if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, also speaking about this parable, 
he goes much deeper into this in about five, six verses, and I want to read this. So this is the in-between moment. Matthew 13, verse 10 to 15. He says, And the disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? If they're referring to the people. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. And to him, oh sorry, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears, have hard, uh, their, their, ears hard, sorry, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. So it's quite a mouthful. But it's an amazing passage. And if you go through it, you can ask yourself, why, like the disciples, you can ask Jesus, why did you speak to the people in parables? It's, it's a good question. I mean, if I were a disciple, I was like, Jesus, why do you speak all the stories when you can just say it straight up? And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, because it's not been given to them to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. He said, but it is given to you. Because they were starting to understand. Their spirit was starting to, the, the ground was starting to become soft. In short, Jesus said, it is a heart problem. It's a heart issue. It starts in your heart. How many of us have looked at other Christians? Come on, I know all of us have looked at people and said, well, why do they have the awesome revelations? Why do they have all the fruits in their lives? And I'm reading my Bible. I'm coming to church as well, just as much as they do. I've asked that question a lot when I was a student. All my friends, well, why is he growing so quickly? Where did you get this revelation? Did you read a book? No, I was just reading my Bible and God just showed me. It's like, why is it not happening to me? Ever felt like that? Come on, all of us have. Now the word says, watch your heart. Watch your heart. Listen to it. It says, for the people's hearts have grown dull. Their hearts have grown dull. Remember, the seed is the word, and our hearts is the ground. So the, the ground has become hard. Now if our hearts is good ground, guess what happens? The seed will produce fruit. If the ground is soft, I mean, we've, we've, we, we've had in our garden, we've had this, um, this herb, what, what, uh, herb containers <laughs> in wood. It's like this herb bakker, what they have in wood. And it was a part of our garden. And through the, there was too much sun, so we couldn't plant herbs there. And those things just went from a herb container to nothing because the wood broke off and the rain just because um, we never used it and so the owners came and said let's just take these things out um, and there was a little patch of of garden there which is quite nice and we said what well, let's do some gardening there let's do some plants and bring some color into the corner of our of our garden and we went in and the, even the owners gave us um, said listen you can we will buy it and and we had this beautiful color that we brought in but after about two weeks these things just didn't grow and it just 
the, I mean, I could wet it, and, and I mean, I could try to fertilize it. It just didn't work. And, uh, and later on, I realized that every time my dog had his toilet moment, it was under the herb containers. <laughs> so he fertilized that ground for about five years, and that was his place. But the ground was so hard and so unfertilized in a certain way, nothing wanted to grow there, and we're still struggling. I think everything we planted there is dead. And we need to literally take out the ground and resurface it with fertile soil. Now remember, good ground in this context is a humble and a soft heart. If you have hard ground and you, you throw seed on it, it will not sprout. I mean, nothing will happen. You have to have soft ground and a soft heart. And that's, that's what I want to speak about today. Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says, it says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Isn't that beautiful? A tender, responsive heart to what? To the Word. See, we all start with a new heart, a soft heart, when we get saved. Your life changed and things happen. I'm working with a guy now. He just got radically saved. And he's growing, like, I mean, it's incredible. Every time I call him, Kira knows him, it's like, I was like, man, I need to read my Bible more, you know. He is just incredible. But it's exactly, you get saved, you're so on fire, you, you, you get saved with it, you've got a new heart, a soft heart, but then as you grow in God, persecution and tribulations and the cares of this world, the thorns come in, as I said earlier. And guess what happened? Our heart gets wounded. It gets wounded. And when our heart gets wounded, it gets hard. And we harden our heart when things happen. I'm so offended. And you don't deal with the offensive. You don't deal with this. Guess what it does? It hardens the ground of your heart. And then when you sow the seed on that ground, it, there's no effect. You see, the harder our heart gets, the harder the ground gets. And, the, and that causes the seed, the word, to just stay on top of the ground. And you remember what happens? The birds of the air come and snatch the seed off immediately. So that's why, that's as soon as, as, as you make that decision to harden your heart, that's why your spiritual eyes is closed. You struggle to understand the word suddenly. You read the word and you read the word and the revelations doesn't come as, you, as it used to. But because of a wounded heart, over time, you started hardening your heart, which is the supposed to be the fertile soil in your life, and that Word of God can't sprout. And we struggle with it. Now, there's a beautiful scripture in Isaiah 57, and I, I wanna, I, I'm taking my three points um, out of this as well. It says the following, and, and listen, Isaiah was written by a prophet, and it's very prophetic, so we can read a lot in it. It says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, says this, I live, in, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the cross spirit of the, of the humble and revive the courage of those who repent with repented hearts. It's a beautiful scripture. Here's what God says through this. He says, listen, I dwell in a high place and I dwell there with a person with a humble or a low heart. That's what that scripture means, low. The low means that, 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 that you come um, almost bowed down to God. There's a word that says prostrate before God, lying on your face before Him. 
Now, for those who don't know our heart, remember, our heart represents our spirit and our soul. So our spirit and our soul, God wants to connect with us. From a high place, He works with a humble heart. With a humble heart. Remember in a kingdom? In a kingdom, the way up in a kingdom is down. <laughs> it is. It starts humble. It doesn't start with the high and mighty. It starts with the humble. And that's why God constantly says, humble yourself before the Lord. And He will lift you up. Psalm 31, uh, 34, 1 Peter somewhere. There's a, a lot of places where God says, if you humble yourself, I will lift you up. If you humble yourself, I will do this. A lot in the kingdom comes from humility. See, when we humble our hearts before God, guess what? He prepares our heart to receive the Scripture. He prepares our heart to receive the Scripture. Now, look quickly look at Psalm 10. Psalm 10 verse 17 says, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble, and guess what? You will prepare their hearts. Isn't that amazing? When you come with a humble heart before God, He prepares your heart for the Word. He prepares that ground for the seed that falls so that that seed sprouts. What will happen, see, see, what will He prepare in our hearts for? What will He prepare our hearts for? For the Word. Because we need the Word. We need the Word to sprout in our hearts. Now, do you know why they couldn't receive the mysteries of heaven? The disciples spoke about they. Why didn't you speak about this and that? Why Do you know why they couldn't receive the mysteries? Because they thought they knew everything. See, Jesus spoke to a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees and a lot of well-known and well-knowledgeable people. And sometimes people stand there and they listen to you and it's like, I'm going to hear what you say because what can you teach me? But immediately your heart is hard. There's no humility in your heart and you will not receive it. I've been in a stage in my life where I was very proud and who God has called me and what I know in scriptures and I was sitting in church and then I would literally sit in church and say, now oh, let's see if you can teach me something today. And guess what? I literally, I didn't grow for a while. I just stagnated because my heart was so hard because there was no humility. And a humble heart creates a soft ground and a, and a, a, and a matured ground for a seed to grow. So I don't know about you, it's very tough to work with, with people that knows, they think they know everything. And you get them. They know everything. I've tried to coach athletes that know more than you. And it's, I struggle because I can't teach them anything because their heart is so closed in terms of that that they never receive anything. And that's why we need a teachable heart. We need a humble heart to secure the soft ground. Now, number two, we look at a holy heart. A holy heart. Now, let's go to Isaiah 57 again. It says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the high, oh, sorry, the holy one says this, I live in a high and holy place. So we know God is holy, right? We know that. God is holy. It's an easy one. Check. We know that. But do we know what it actually means? I don't think we totally understand the word holy. We think it means perfect or sinless. And if you look at God, yes, He is perfect and sinless. But that's not what holy actually means. It actually means 
Holy means to be set apart. To be set apart. To be separated from. So if I take something here and I separate it from the pulpit, it means to be set apart. Set apart because it is valuable. Now when this word is used to define God, yes, it can mean perfection. It can mean um, all those things because God is separated from this world. He is set apart from this world because He is God and He is perfect and He is sinless. That's easy. But the word holy doesn't mean sinless perfection. It doesn't. Because if it does, we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Why? Because, because of this. 1 Peter 1 verse 15, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for, for I am holy. <laughs> so if holy means sinless perfection, we're in trouble. Because none of us can be sinful, sinless per perfect. We can't. Only God can. And that's why this word doesn't mean sinless perfection. It means set apart. Now it's not... We must, as Christians, we must be set apart in our conduct, in our everyday life. We need to be set apart in the sinful fallen world. That doesn't mean I'm separating me from everything in this world, but my heart needs to be set apart for Him first. I can't get my heart to be influenced with everything. I need to be holy at heart. That means to be set apart for Him. See, we need to make sure that we act differently than a sinful world. Because what? We belong to God. We need to act differently. When I step into an atmosphere, and, and I've worked with rugby teams a long time in my life, and the atmosphere is not always happy and Christian. <laughs> Although I have been in teams which, which is amazing, but I have also been in environments which is really tough. And it is a sinful nature and a, and, and a worldly nature. And I always had to direct my mind very carefully. Listen to Leviticus 20. It says, So set yourself apart to be holy. For I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice. For I am the Lord who makes you holy. God says that I have called you to be set apart. I have called you to be different than the world you're in. That doesn't mean you need to be weird and stand in a street corner and shout, Jesus. No. Just to be set apart in your heart every day. See, if we need our heart to be a good ground, to receive the Word of God, we need to keep our hearts separated or set apart from the world. Because what we allow to come into our hearts will, will do you know what? It will affect our daily life. I've worked with students all the time, and, and, and I've, I've, when I was still in Potch, um, we had a DC++. That's uh, all those, they download all the series and the movies. And some of those guys, they watch series all week and skip class for two weeks, you know. And after that two weeks, they're so dull in their hearts that they, they struggle to connect in church and in cell group and because their hearts were focused and set apart for the, the series and the movies, and, which is not wrong, but their focus was on that first instead of on God, set apart for Him. See, what we allow to come into our hearts will affect our daily lives. And if we want our life to produce good fruit, 
We cannot afford our heart to be choked up by the worldly cares and the worldly stuff and the worldly things. doesn't mean we need to be spiritual, so spiritual. We've got grace. But I'm, I'm so in love with God that this is my focus. And this is what I want to be set apart for. Does it make sense? Number three, and the last one, almost done. It speaks about a heavenly heart. A heavenly heart. First a humble heart, then a holy heart, and then a heavenly heart. Isaiah 15, 57 again, it starts out, it says, The high and lofty one who inhabits or lives in eternity. The word inhabits comes from the New King James. God inhabits eternity. God is an eternal God who has given us eternal life by grace. I don't know about you, but we are not from here. We are ambassadors of heaven. That's who we are. We only live here for a, a moment. Because one day is like a thousand, a thousand day like one. So this is a moment we live in his kingdom. We live from heaven to earth as ambassadors of the king. Now therefore we know that this world will not, the world is not, not our home. Heaven is our home. So it's very important to know that if we set our mind on temporary things, we will not understand this eternal book, the Bible. If I always set my mind on normal things, I need to set my mind on eternal things, on the Word of God. The Word is filled with eternal words, and if we read them with a temporary mindset, we will not understand the mysteries of the kingdom. See, that's what we're thinking. Why did these people not understand the mysteries of the kingdom? Because their minds were focused on not eternal things. If we read the word with a heavenly heart, we start to understand the mysteries. We start to understand more revelation, more things out of him. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18. It says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we, cannot, we see now will, will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Look at Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2. It says, Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You see, when I sit with the issue in, in my life, I struggle through a, making a decision. What do I do? Do I go to the dictionary to find good words to make good decisions? No, I don't. I go and ask wisdom from a God who created me. And I said, Lord, I need wisdom today. I pray with my wife. I, I pray with my friends. I make sure that I tap from a heavenly source into my life. See, when we set our mind on the living word of God, our hearts are the ground. Our hearts or the ground will be good. We need a good, good heart to have a good ground. And the fruit in our lives will be good. We need good ground to have good fruits. Or maybe I can say it like this. The word produces the fruit if we keep our hearts good. <laughs> it actually rhymes. The word produces the fruit if we keep our hearts good. We need good hearts. If your heart is not good, your ground will not be good and there will not be fruit. You see, God says whether we beginning or maturing in Him, no matter where you are in your, in, your, in, your, in your journey with God, 
we need to work hard to keep our hearts right. And then His Word in our lives will produce the fruit. And you know what? God will even water the seed. This parable is such an important one because it shows us how the enemy hates growth. We know that. And he wants to destroy the seed in our lives. And God comes and said, I need fertile soil. I need good crown. And therefore, I need a good heart. Make sure your heart is humble. Make sure your heart is set apart for me. And make sure your focus is heavenly, not earthly. Try to get heavenly answers rather than earthly decisions. And when we make sure we have a humble and a holy and a heavenly heart focused on Him, the Word can produce, you remember, 30, 60, and 100-fold of fruit in our lives. We need a fruitful heart. We need a humble heart to get God to grow something out of our lives, which is incredible. I want to pray for you this morning, and we can stand together. We can play. I want to pray for us this morning. And if you are here this morning and you feel that your heart is struggling, your heart is really struggling, you, you feel that there's no revelation, the word doesn't penetrate your heart, you're really in a tough spot where you realize that maybe my heart is so wounded that through time I have hardened my heart. And this is very important for us to, to and, and I know we're finishing this and, and and I'm going to speak quickly after I've prayed just about our growth path, but it's important to know that we end this by knowing that we are God-centered. We are centered on Him. And we are not centered on anything else. And not just that, but to keep us God-centered every day. Because when the challenges of life comes and the thorns and the cares of this world, the lure of wealth, all these things come and try to take you out and try to, you, to bring you to a place where you don't grow in Him. To bring you back to say, Lord, I want to be centered on you. And also to build people around your life that can direct you and help you and keep you accountable and love you. To keep us God-centered in our lives. I want to pray for you if that's you today. And can we close our eyes? And If you feel like that this morning, say, Lord, feel like my heart is not fertile enough yet. Maybe just put your hand on your heart. And I want just to, us to take a moment, just like 30 seconds or so, and just by yourself, just pray and say, Father, I need you. Just come and align my heart again. Father, I pray for every heart here this morning. And Lord, I thank you that, that you know us, every one of us, you know us personally. You know every hair on our heads, every thought in our minds, every struggle we step through, 
you know us. We cannot hide anything from you, Father. And Father, I pray this morning that, that you will turn our hearts to fertile soil this morning. As you humble us, as we humble ourselves, as we realize that we are set apart for you, for nothing else. If we realize that we live for eternity and nothing else. We don't live for the next paycheck or our next coffee or whatever. We live for eternity as ambassadors of, of God on this earth. And Father, I pray that you touch our hearts this morning, that the fruit that will come from our hearts will touch the people around us, will change individuals around us even at our workplace that people will see the fruit in our lives they will experience the fruit in our lives father i pray that you throw off the condemnation this morning as we shift back to a place of lordship that says that lord it's you or nothing it's all you or nothing so father thank you for pulling our hearts back to you today. Thank you, Lord, that we can grow in you every day. That there's a maturity in your word, in our lives, as we sow the word in our lives every day, Father. Lord, I pray that, that you will take, us devo to take our devotional life to a next level. Lord, that you bring more revelation to our lives as we open our hearts, as we humble our hearts as we set, set ourselves apart, Lord, every day to hear more about you. So come, Holy Spirit, and touch our hearts this morning. Thank you that we are called, that we are birthed to be God-centered, to be close to you. And then to go and get others to know you. So Lord, may this week be amazing. May you this week, may you open the word, may you give us more revelation. May you show us more mysteries in your word, Father. We want to get to know you better, Father, every day, more intimately. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.